The Weekly Dish podcast is brought to you by Lakewinds Co-op in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield with delivery from Instacart. There's no membership required to shop at Lakewinds. All are welcome. Check out lakewinds.com, and if you can't make it to a Lakewinds, please visit your local food co-op in the neighborhood near you. Hi, it's Stephanie Hansen, and with schools back in session and so many of you being the distance learning teacher, as well as working from home, everyone is getting busy. Now add in that the days are getting shorter and the holidays are just around the corner, and it's a very busy time of year for everyone. Instacart delivery from Lakewinds is a great option for reclaiming some of that precious spare time to spend with your loved ones. It's very easy to set up an Instacart account with Lakewinds. Once your card is set, an Instacart employee heads to the store and hands selects all the items in your cart. They pick the best produce, meats, and dairy that Lakewinds has to offer, and they'll help you get all the items you have put in your cart, and you don't have to do the shopping. Instacart has lots of helpful features when you've set up an account, like the option to save favorite items for reordering and time delivery so that you can schedule your groceries to arrive when you can be home to receive them. And when you think about the time and convenience factor, Instacart is very inexpensive with as little as $6 per delivery. To me, that's just seems like a reasonable price to pay for a little bit of sanity. You don't have to be a member to shop. Visit lakewinds.com slash delivery to start getting co-op groceries delivered to you at home or at your workplace. And if you decide to visit Lakewinds, please do so in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, Richfield, or online again at lakewinds.com slash delivery. song and sometimes when I'm like when I think about you on Saturday mornings when I'm traveling yeah I like hear that in my head like that you go weekly dish weekly dish um hey yeah you know what it is what top two top two give me the old one two and now the weekly dish presents top two top two the top two pick your best two in our two all right give me two with it with it one, two, one, two. I feel like I should tell people about your extremely cute jacket you're sporting right now. Because every time I look over at you, you look a little bit like a lamb. Um, yeah. What is this jacket it's that like you're a, wearing? It's like the fleecy Sherpa fleece, you know, from, from Patagonia. This no, it's LB. I this it's was adorable. a this was a like one a.m. purchase off of the Instagram as well. Uh, are you Instagram shopping? I have you bought a more lot of than I have. It's just was it's just been stressful lately, and that's what I do. Apparently, it's funny that like everybody has their own retail therapy response, right? My it, the worst things get the less I shop. Like I haven't bought. Yeah, you clothes. are a shopper in good times. I am only a shopper in bad times. Yeah, I haven't bought anything. Actually, we bought a Peloton that has become like a piece of furniture because we just stare at it from across the room and go, oh, look at that. You brought you bought a Peloton? We did. Oh. We canceled our gym memberships. We bought a Peloton. I think when we get to the new house, we'll probably be, but we've just been staring at it so far and noticing how pretty the screen is when mm. it's off. Wow. <laughs> wow. Got it. Got it. Um, okay, so top two an hour two, I would put your LL Bean jacket in the top two because that is real cute. It is, and it's warm, and I've basically, I 100% am down for this purchase. I feel like I should take pictures of you it and post it. You should also see my shirt. Yes, her shirt is oof. 2020. 2020. I made it. Um, okay, so let us discuss. What's like, your first one? Well, because I got an opportunity to have a takeout last night from Nixta. Oh, yay! 
And it is a place in Northeast Minneapolis. And it's basically a counter. And you go order in advance on pickup is Tuesdays or Fridays. And it's a chef, Gustav Romero, and his wife or partner uh, who is supposed to be having a baby any minute. She Mm -hmm. was so cute. He's making really beautiful tortillas and grinding the corn and reconstituting the the lime. Just really lovely. And he had a pozole pickup. So I did that yesterday. Those tortillas that he makes, that is just the real deal. I actually invited my daughter over tonight for tacos because I'm going to get those bad boys going. Yeah. Yum. It was so delicious. They're heirloom Oaxacan corn. And so that's the difference. It seriously is a difference, you guys. And if you think like, oh, I've had corn tortillas and I don't like them. If you had the corn once from the store, it's completely different. They're sturdy, but they're pliable. Yes. But they're soft still. They're not, I mean, like they're, they're easygoing and they make great quesadillas too, by the way. Okay. Yeah. You were telling me about your quesadillas. Yeah. So Nixta would be pick number one. Good. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you that uh, I'm going to call out that Zenbox. uh, I did take out from Zenbox last night. And you know that they did get sort of burgled, um, but they got broken into. But then there was nothing to burgle. So it was kind of funny because the people were like, you know, crawling along the floor and there was they were thinking that there'd be a safe. Let's be clear. There is no cash in these contactless restaurants. You know, they're not the ones who are doing especially delivery only there. There's no cash like people are only doing online transactions. So there's no cash. So there's no safe. Nothing in the safe. So, so stop burgling stop places. Burgling. There's nothing to burgle. But let's be clear. Our weekly dishes are not the burglars. No. So. But anyway, I went to Zenbox to get uh, some ramen for the boy. And I got uh, the katsu sando, which is, you know, a fried pork cutlet sandwich. God, it was good. I housed that sucker in two minutes, you guys. Two minutes. But housed, a.k.a. eight. <laughs> yeah. So um, here's the thing, though. This is, what I will tell you is that I was surprised and I forgot that they are doing. Um, they have special Japanese beers uh, there right now. And they have stuff that you cannot find anywhere else. And uh, I had one that was a citrus. Uh, it was called Sorry. And it was a citrus yuzu blend IPA. Yum. It was so good. And I have one that has Bonita Flakes that I'm going to drink tonight. So Okay, that could make me But right, this is my thing. Today. is like you can't get it anywhere else. So you pop in for, uh, you know, pickup. And I mean, it's a $9 beer. I don't mind that if okay. I'm going to, you know... With my, You're going to have two. Yeah, uh, Okonomiyaki, you know, my little... You drink a bottle of wine alone, and yeah. that's 20 bucks. Right, so I don't have any... I just loved it, so it was great. So that was my Japanese beer from Zenbox. I like it. What's your second? Um, okay, so Kurt was out of town. He came home from the van trip and decided he needed space, so he went right to the cabin to close that up and get that situated for the winter. So I was like, oh, I can order from Red Rabbit, because Kurt can never eat there, because there's wine and a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. They have a dish that's cavatappi, it's called. It's this fennel sausage that they make homemade with this kind of long, pillowy noodle. It's a buttery sauce. It's really one of my favorite dishes there. And then I was like the next day thinking, I need to eat that again, but maybe I could make it. Oh. So I MacGyvered a recipe that is like the cavatappi from Red Rabbit, but it's with katsureche pasta that I got at Coastal Sea or not at Coastal um Cosetas. Oh. I went into the market and got this it's a similar shaped noodle. Yeah. So I put a recipe together that I thought tasted very similar. So I put that up. So my top 2 is the cavatappi from Red Rabbit. 
my learnings is you can use this Casa Reche pasta and make something similar at home because I've just been eating it for three days. Do you have like a need to have it be like a like a kind of the same shape? Because for me, it would be like I don't have to have it be a corkscrew cavatappi or like kind of corkscrewy. You know what I mean? Or they're like they're curly. They're longer, but they're curly. And there's like indentations in them that the sauce gets caught in. That's really the key. And in my recipe, I was like, if you can't find this noodle, you can use rigatoni. Right. I was going to say something that as has long as a you, ridge. Right. As long as you get the behind the reason for the shape, I don't ever I don't ever get caught up on shapes, really. No, I don't think so either. And I thought that they made a red rabbit, that they made the pasta in this dish fresh, but they don't. So I was like, oh, that makes me feel like I can do this at home then. Yeah, seriously. So right. we posted the um, recipes. Take a look. If you go there, if you want to buy it, try the recipe if you want to cook at home. Cool. So my second one is I popped down to Egan, for God's sakes. I that know. is a real God's sakes. For me, it's 40 Eastside. minutes. It's 40 minutes, guys, from my house. Um, but I uh, I popped down to Egan to go see the new Omni Vikings Lakes Hotel, where Ann Kim has her new restaurant, or the new restaurant called Kindred Hearth. And so Kindred Hearth is... Uh, sort of, it's, it's, it's an, it's an Ann Kim restaurant, but it's not an, it's a hotel restaurant, but it's not a hotel restaurant. There's a lot of layers to this one, but you walk in and you definitely feel like it's got like sort of a young Joni, like vibe, like a color scheme almost. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a little, it's more Nordic. And it's kind of lightly Nordic. It's not like I was telling them. It's not like Frozen has hit you over the head yeah, Nordic. Not you know? like Olaf's going to come around the yeah, corner. Yeah, yeah, none of that. So it's lovely that way. It has um, it's soaring ceilings, you know, big space, and then this gleaming copper oven right in the middle. And you know, that's her. It's her oven. You know, the one that she loves. And basically, um, it's it's kind of great. And if I think Egan should be very excited about this. This is a really great destination restaurant, the way it looks and feels. Egan is a dearth of nothingness. Well, I mean, from what I hear from friends who live down there, they're very excited for this because yeah. they feel like they don't have... They don't have you know, hardly much. anything. But so, they're doing pizzas. She's got some pastas, speaking of which, which she's like, I'm not going crazy like... You know, she's like, I want to have the pastas that I want, you know, that I feel like I crave when I want to sit down to a comforting pasta. So that's what she's doing. I don't have the menu. Um, but it was really, really beautiful. And then they have a bar upstairs, you guys, which I think is kind of wonderful in that it is. Uh, this one is a little bit more Viking-esque in terms, not like Vikings football, but Viking. Like there's a soaring fireplace, you know, that's got some Norse stuff on it. And they've got beautiful couches and fur things. It's really lovely. Um, and it's. Uh, it's, it's, uh, here's what I like about both of them. They have outdoor, like it's accessible from the parking lot. Like you don't have to go into the hotel and through it to get there. So they're their own entities. Okay. And the upstairs bar has a huge outdoor bar area as well. And for Vikings fans, I don't know if they're playing now, if they're still in quarantine for the Titan thing, but they basically can watch the practice field from like, you can see little bits of the practice field from That's cool. the bar. So Egan should be excited. Kindred Hearth, it's now open. It's dinner only. And I think you do have to make reservations, but it's open. Okay. There you go. All right. So that is our top two in hour two. When we come back, we are going to be talking with our friend Patrice Johnson. And Patrice is so great. She is a big weekly dish fan. We love her. And she's got a new cookbook coming out from Minnesota Historical Press called Land of 10,000 Plates, Stories and Recipes from Minnesota. It's real sweet. She does have the Dayton's popover recipe in here. So I see this as being a big hit for the holidays. We're going to talk to Patrice when we come back on The Weekly Dish.
Hey everybody, it's Steph March for Common Ground Minnesota. And I know you're wondering, who is Common Ground Minnesota again? Well, let me tell you, it's women in agriculture. These are women farmers who are right here in Minnesota volunteering their time to talk to you guys about food and how it's grown and how and why they grow it. That's Common Ground. Common Ground is, you know, a place where you can go and you can ask those questions about why they grow the food that they're growing and how they're growing it and how that affects the, your family and what they're eating. This is the greatest part about these guys is that they're just up for discussion because, of course, we all love to talk about food, right? So at Common Ground Minnesota, they have a new website, commongroundminnesota.com, and it's a great new site with, it's got farmers, it's got topics, it's got a great blog, it's got heat recipes, there's farm dogs. I don't know what else you could ask for, really. Common Ground Minnesota is a great spot. You can also check them out on Instagram, at commongroundminn, and of course on Facebook, at Common Ground Minnesota. It's a great place for everybody to go and have a conversation. Oh, that was interesting to have the don't stop make it's okay. Anyway, that's our bumper music from my talk. Um, okay, so we have Patrice on the line, who's probably just like, "What a bunch what of loons!" What is going on? Hi, Patrice. <laughs> Good morning. How are Good you? Morning, Patrice. Good. This land of ten thousand <laughs> plates is a beautiful cover, and you. On the cover, used the Minnesota hot dish. Uh, is it a Lodge cast iron pan that makes that Minnesota one? It's so cute. Yeah. It, yeah, and, and I keep hearing so much uh, great feedback on the cover, and I cannot take credit for that. That's actually uh, the designer did that, but I love it, too. I think it's a perfect, perfect uh, display of, of what the book contains. Yeah, it's really lovely. So these are stories and recipes from Minnesota. This is Patrice Johnson, who is the author, who's joining us. And Patrice, this is your second book, and I'm drawing a blank on the name of your first book. Uh, the first one is Yule, Swedish American Holiday Tradition. Yeah. Um, I want you to know, too, when I because I'm moving and I just packed up my cookbooks, you made the move. Ooh, yay! Yeah, it's always like, oh, that's a good cookbook. Um, okay, this cookbook is sweet in that it's stories of Minnesota interspersed with recipes from Minnesota and inspired by Minnesota. Uh, how did you pitch this cookbook? Uh, you know, gosh, it's been so long. It's been like two years, I think, that I pitched it two years ago. I did, I pitched it because I, when I was in grad school, I took a documentary class. And it sort of taught me, the first thing I did was I did a literary documentary on meat raffles. And it that class taught me to sort of look at Minnesota through a different lens because we just, when we live here, we take things for granted, but there's so many special cool rituals that we have that revolve around food. And that's kind of how I pitched it. Just saying that these are such special rituals we have. Let's, let's tell stories about them. And of course the recipes are unique to our region as well. Like uh, egg bake. Yes. Like strawberry, not, not egg bake. Ch- strawberry, <laughs> cherry, pretzel, jello salad. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, a lot of jello salad, some jello shots as well. Yeah. Right? Because we got to take that to the next level. <laughs> exactly. Lingonberry pancakes, the booyah. The booyah. You do have a recipe for booyah in there. Yes. I've, I've scaled it down. The original recipe uh, was from a cookbook uh, that I got uh, from uh, Teresa, who is the booyah person I speak with. And it's her family cookbook, and it counts like, I don't know, a hundred chickens or something. Yeah. So I just divided it by 10 
<laughs> That's a good idea. That is smart. And for those who don't know Booyah, obviously it's the big communal soup that is happening this weekend and next weekend and a bunch of other weekends at like fire stations and VFWs and everything else. Our fundraiser, big communal soup parties. There yeah, is, they're fantastic. There's a couple recipes that reminded me of Steph March. Pickled ramps. Pickled ramps. Those are great. Yes. And ramp pesto. What did you, yeah, Patrice, think- for this book, as far as, like, were there things that you wanted to put in, but you just, you kind of didn't, like, they were on the fence and they didn't make it? Yeah, there were a few things. Um, a, a couple of things uh, that came from my mom. My mom gave me this beautiful book, I just cherished it, that's got all of her handwritten recipes that I loved growing up. And a lot of those are in the book. Um, a couple did not make it. Uh yeah, and also the Izzy's ice cream recipe did not make it uh, because that one I just couldn't scale down, and there was no way I could make it as delicious as they make it. Yeah. And that's their uh, that Jello salad ice cream for, for the state fair. Um, when you look at the cookbook, it's a lot of Minnesota inspired recipes, but it's also recipes like from your childhood. And there's some uh, you talked about. Stephanie was just talking about katsu, the a katsu sandwich that she had at Zenbox, yeah. and you've got a recipe for katsu in there. It's really inspired more by your personal Minnesota experience, not just like hot dish. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, when I first pitched it, again, I, it was all about you know these rituals. But then my editor came back and said, yeah, that's a great idea, but can you make it a little more nostalgia? We want some nostalgic stories. And I said, yeah, I can do that. I got a lot of stories. So that's where a lot of that personal stuff comes from. So we are hosting a virtual book launch for you, which is quite an honor. We're very excited. On Thursday. Oh, it's an honor for me to have you guys there. Oh, we're just, it's going to be a fun hour. It's from 7 to 8 on Thursday, October 8th. Um, seven to eight, it will be a Facebook live that you will be able to find at the, um, Minnesota historical society's webpage. We have a Facebook link on our weekly dish show page. So what you'll do is just be watching that link. And then when seven o'clock comes, we'll pop up and we'll talk about the book. We'll talk about the recipes. Um, are you going to share any embarrassing stories? Cause we sure hope so. All of my stories have some sort of embarrassing element. <laughs> I love that. Is what? there one in particular you're asking about? <laughs> no, but I just you I I you're so personal. You're very personal. Like I feel like when we have you on or when I read your book, that like you and I are just sitting having a glass of wine and chatting, and you're telling me all your funny, crazy stories. Yeah. Are you a big fan of the, you've got a whole section in here about the state fair and I know you've been a big fan of the state fair. Have you gone to any of the drive-thrus? No, but I did the travail pickup. Oh, so tell me about that. Did you love it? Oh, you guys, it was so good. Oh yeah, that box. Yes. Are you doing? It was enough food to feed us for three nights and everything reheated so perfect. Those cats got it going on. Yeah, they, they really know, know what they're, they're doing. doing. I tell you what. One of my favorite recipes in here that I am dying to make is Reuben soup, which you mentioned is a winning yeah. recipe from the 2019 Sibley County Heavenly Soup and Chili Cook-Off. Yeah, that's our friend Dawn, a family friend. That's her recipe. It's so good. And the croutons that go with it, the little rye croutons are so delicious. I could just eat those 
like as a like as a popcorn snack watching a movie. Really yeah. good recipe. It, it is a good recipe. It's got like the sauerkraut, a celery, beef broth, brisket, Swiss cheese, Thousand Island, and it's soup. And then you make these little rye croutons that go on top that sound absolutely delicious. I thought it was funny you had walleye macaroni and cheese. What's the nature of that recipe? <laughs> I needed another fish recipe. And I think I mentioned in there, whenever I talk to my fisher people that are really that catch fish all summer, all winter, and I say, what's, how do you make your delicious fried fish so good? They all say they use the shore lunch. And so I needed some filler recipes, and I had just made lobster mac and cheese for Christmas. And I thought, oh, you know what? Walleye mac and cheese, that's going to be even better than the lobster. And I think it is. It's really good. Yeah, it looks super delicious. You've got a Sunday gravy recipe, a slow cooker pulled turkey. This is going to be a great book for gift giving, too, don't you think? Oh, I hope so. Yeah, don't, I hope you, so. I hope right? don't you think? I was like, my God. Patrice, can I ask you how different it is having a book launch in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're it up. is so weird. It Patrice, is weird. hold it on one so second. Weird. Hold on one second, and we'll ask the question on the other side. Hold on. Okay. been managing our clock so great today so we held patrice over patrice steph was in the middle of asking you a question and the music started playing and i just felt like i wanted to give her the opportunity i just wanted to talk to you i just wanted you to give us like a few seconds about what it was like to launch a book during these weird times weird is a perfect word for it yeah part of me is so sad because i love meeting people and doing the book signings it's so much fun it's such a celebration but i have to think about the, the positive things and some of the positive things are that we can reach more people. Mm-hmm. More people can come to the launch because it's virtual. Uh, we can reach people from across the state. We can reach people. I do uh, classes with ASI, American Swedish Institute, and because we're online, we're having students that are coming from all over the country. So that's what I want to focus on is, is the positive stuff. Yeah, the cool silver lining. Well, Thursday, yeah. it will be the book launch. It'll be Facebook Live. Stephanie and I will be hosting it with you. We'll be talking for about an hour. I'm going to cook something from the book for the Facebook Live. Ooh. Oh, yeah. that's a good what idea. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tell you don't what. Don't make me look like I'm <laughs> but not then, the Oh, you do what you want to do. I don't run your life. But <laughs> I'm going to cook something for the book and have it there so that we can talk about it. Yay. Yay! That's exciting. Okay, yeah. I'm going to cook something, too, just so Stephanie doesn't look just better so I'm not and better more than professional you. than me. <laughs> Come on. Okay, I'll have to cook something, too, then. All right, Great. let's all three do it. <laughs> all right, so all right. people all can right, find the link. Good. Yeah, thanks, Patrice. Uh, they can find the link Thank on you. Thanks Weekly Dish Show page. Also, uh, Land of 10,000 Plates is the name of the book. It's the virtual book launch. We're looking forward to it. Awesome. Okay, so okay. Stephanie, you've written a lot while I've been gone. I know. There's been a lot to write about while you've been gone. There's, uh, There was the big thing that, you know, we did, we did the check-in because it's been six months since mm-hmm. the big restaurant check-in. Um, and we talked a little bit about that on the show, I think, while you were gone. But um, what I really wanted to talk about is something that has kind of just recently popped up. Um, and I wrote something about it this week uh, because 40, some 40 restaurants came together under this, you know, loose group that they formed called the Downtown Restaurant Group. And they have uh, written a letter to the mayor and they have said and the city council and they said, we need your help. And they're saying we're in a really tough time. And yes, COVID is is not great. And, you know, it's really rough on us. But 
one of the things that is also impacting us is the perception that downtown is not safe. And it's the fact that there is, you know, maybe more crime, but then also uh, the fact that it is that people think that it's not a safe place to come and that people are staying away. And I'm interested in that. I I was interested in, in kind of exploring that thought because um, for me, I have been downtown a lot. I mean, and for takeout too. I mean, not like when we talk about that, I've gone downtown. It's not like I'm out hanging out at restaurants and doing anything like my former life, but I, I run downtown to do different things and to meet people. I've had coffee outside on patios. I've had sushi in a restaurant. I've had burgers outside on patios. I've done my fair amount of like hanging out in the city and I have never felt any more unsafe than normal. And so, but when I, when I was writing these articles about, will you go eat indoors after, um, you know, the patios kind of go away, it seemed to me there was a lot of people who responded that they wouldn't come to Minneapolis. And I was shocked by that. I was very surprised because, and they said they fear, they fear carjackings, they fear, you know, crime on, you know, on patios and they fear, they're fearful of things. And I was surprised by that. But this group of restaurant people who wrote a letter saying that they're hoping that the mayor and the city council recognize that and can do something about it. Do you feel unsafe or have you felt unsafe? I know you've been gone for like a month, but six, five, one, six, four, one, one, oh, seven, one, two. If you want to weigh in on this, I officed at 11th and Hennepin for two years and I have lived downtown. I lived at LaSalle place. Um, and we're speaking about downtown Minneapolis mostly right yes. now. I mean, that's kind of where. I do think that there is an increased sense of lawlessness and lack of consequences for unlawful behavior. That has been expressed in um, carjackings. That has been expressed in bike thefts. That has been expressed in. And to be clear, you are someone who has had property stolen from you. So I'm not saying that that's like, but I do think that that's an important thing, distinction to make. Yeah. You've been a victim of a crime. And so. A couple. Yeah. And I was carjacked or I was an attempted carjacking. But years ago. Four or five years ago. Yeah. And I will tell you after that, I was very fearful. No. Right. But I, yeah, I do feel like people are fearful to come downtown. I do feel like people think there is an increase in crime. Now, statistically, there isn't. This is what's so weird. There is not an increase in crime. But perception, I think, is a big part of that. And when you have TV, you're watching TV and you're seeing all this rioting and looting and you're seeing gangs of kids running down the street, it is that perception. What I think was is different There's always been a certain amount of, we're a big city, right? It's an urban area. You have homelessness. You have people that are struggling with mental illness. But all of that was the backdrop with all of the workers and the concerts and the sporting events. And so all of that big melting pot of people is always there. But now all of the other people are gone and you're just left with that veneer of who is still living downtown, who is still going to work downtown, it's kind of 90% empty. Yeah, it so is. All it of is that definitely. stuff looks a lot more visible because it's always been there. Those same people have always been there, but you don't see anything else other than that now because you see boarded up windows. You see, so this perception of that this is a ghost town with lots of sketchy, scary people, those sketchy, scary people that you see, they've been there the entire time. Yeah. But there was nothing else to, to gloss over all of that. So that's all you see. 
it's weird because I do think there's something about this like fear that I can't go downtown. And I just think so in my mind, there's two things. One, there's a perception that the place is on fire. Like and literally when I've had, you know, people f- comment being like, I would never go down there. I'm like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, Here's those people, though. Those Facebook people have never been downtown. No, and there's a so certain that's number. that's the thing, too. Like, yeah. everyone is like, I would never go downtown. Well, you never were going downtown. Right. And, so. I, and, I, and, on my, and I did have on my Facebook, there's a public discussion that you're welcome to, you know, to weigh in on. Um, I think we've had more than uh, 200 comments on it, which is great. And people are being respectful and, and being honest. Um, but it is true. There are people weigh in and I'm like, well, OK, so you live in, you know, Becker, Minnesota. You're not that person who's ever going to go downtown. Like, that's not your bag unless you're coming for maybe a Vikings game. And that's one time. And that's not who we're talking about. So I, I do think that there is a weird feeling about that. But I do think there are two things. One, people who don't know the city really well or maybe only dabble in it. And maybe they dabbled in it for sports and theater and everything else. And they're staying away because there are no sports. There is no theater. Right. There's no reason for them to come downtown. They're not going to come downtown anyway. But for them to rely only on the news reports that it's this and see, because you're never going to read like, you know, woman had wonderful dinner sitting on the sidewalk. That's not a news report, but yet it happens all the time. I drove by Red Cow in North Loop last night, packed, gorgeous, wonderful people at Zenbox when I was waiting to get my food. Everyone was there walking their dogs. So many dog walkers, so many people running alone at dusk. Stone Arch Bridge. It is not a hellscape. So for me, there's that. There's that feeling of the fact of like, it is not this crazy on fire place. But then the other side of it is, is that I do believe that there are more opportunities for criminals because there are less people. And I would love for the city, particularly Mayor Fry, to step up and speak on behalf of those businesses and do something to address that issue. And I do think that there is an article today in the Star Tribune that the downtown council has ramped up mad dad's police presence and community um, supporters between 8th and 12th on Nicollet. So you're going to see more presence there of these types of people. I do think that it's Mayor Fry, but it's also the downtown council and the leading businesses in that area because we're going to probably still be working from home for a while here. Well, and then you want your workers to want to come back. And they were saying that that is, you know, this group of restaurant people were saying it's not necessarily like they think that pandemic isn't real and that everyone can come back. Like, it's not about saying lift all the bands and everyone come back. They're saying we need to work on having that discussion about what is real and what is safe and what are we doing and what's the plan? Like, we know that our city, Minneapolis, has been through an enormous, massive change over yep. the last seven big months. Upheaval. And so why not? We need to talk about it and we need to do what we're doing right now and saying, you know what? Yeah, there is probably, you know, a different kind of level of crime that you're noticing. And it's being uh, sort of our our sensitivities are up for it. But at the same time, you there is a lot of safety. There is lo- there is law. There is. And that's what they want people to know. And so. I feel like me personally, I just want to give them voice, you know, and, and, and understanding. And I'm not going to stop patronizing these restaurants. So me I mean, either. I mean, and I'm not telling anyone, but the people who say I'm not going to come downtown, I think you're kind of being ridiculous. And I feel like when someone's like, oh, my safety is most important. Well, then think about going down at four o'clock, you know, to get takeout for the next day or think about going, you know, on a Wednesday, you know, and, and having like. A happy hour situation. And the pandemic has impacted everybody in lots of ways, right? Downtown St. Paul, same situation. They just created a safety zone 
that the businesses are putting into a pot of money to increase patrols and to right. increase cleanliness. And yeah, this is this is a problem that's happening in cities across America. And I think that they need to talk about it. I think that they need to band together and talk about it. And yeah. that's the big thing. So thanks for bringing that to light. We'll be right back. discussion and carol called in and had some comments so we thought we'd take her call hi carol how you doing i'm great how are you two good how are you feeling about downtown right now carol well i'll tell you i live in rural wisconsin okay and there definitely is a perception mostly due to the media that it is less safe perhaps than usual and i do think that part of that is because it's so much more deserted than it was. And so there's just an eerie sort of feeling. However, we do try to get down there once a month and get a good rate at a hotel and stay and try to have dinner because we feel that we need to keep it up and running. Yeah. And, And more people will come. Part of the problem as well is that so many things are closed up downtown And sometimes it's easier just to hit a suburb on your way in because most things are open. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of restaurants, like say I go through Woodbury to get into the cities. Most restaurants are up and running. They may may be at a lesser capacity, but you can still go in and sit down and nobody seems overly afraid. And I think that Mayor Fry needs to come up with some sort of, a plan to to not present as so sad and afraid of everything. Thanks, Carol. We really appreciate your weighing in. That's kind of what Steph said, that yeah. we're looking for some, I guess, leadership. Is that what that is? Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I just think I'm not looking for massive moves. I just, I, there should be an open dialogue. There should be discussion. There's, you know, there should be, and I hate to say like a marketing campaign in terms of making it sound like it's so so surfacy, but it's communication and it's showing, you know, those patios that are busy and, and that why are nice can't we and... have a giant tent over Nicollet mall, get the buses on the side streets that works. Nobody needs busing right now. They just don't. We can put the buses on the other side streets. There's no workers coming into downtown. So keep the buses, but just get them off of Nicollet mall because what that is, is a contained area that they could run a giant tables all the way down the mall and people, all those restaurants, we could do it just like they did at Telluride. And you could have heaters and you could have a, a tarp over the entire, I mean, something. Yeah. Yeah. To something. bring people down. Creative, people that want community. Yeah. And there are a lot of ice bars coming and there's a lot of Put people those domes. are doing things like that to bring people out. And I think that they need to continue that. But I think they need to be getting people excited about it and getting people giving people hope and like sharing that, that feeling that Minneapolis is a great town and people are going to apple orchards. People are going to the this pumpkin is, patch. Seaver's fall festival is open. I was there yesterday. People are coming. They want to do stuff. They're wearing their masks. They're being careful. You know, we can gather in a downtown space just as much as we can gather on a farm. Yeah. Put something out there. Do it. Right. I'm All with right. you. I'm with you. Uh, here we are. This is the end of the show. That was our soapbox. Okay. <laughs> Woo, 
doggy. There's been some good news from our friends at Meritage. Right. You want to talk about that? They are coming back. They are opening up for the holiday season, which I think is smart. And they're going to be doing it at 30% capacity, not 50%. So they're going to even go you know, smaller and more intimate. And I think it's a genius idea. And I think that... You know, they're going to go for basically November and December and help us celebrate the things we want to celebrate. And then they'll take, you know, kind of a, a feeling about January and see how it goes and then decide whether or not they'll shut down again so they can conserve. I don't know. We'll see. I think it's a great idea. The idea of a super well lit candlelight pine needles, festive velvety bows and beautiful chairs and like marble tables and little plates of things. I'm apparently that's for you (laughs) dying for that right now. I think it's, I think the idea of it being, um, you know, kind of a special idea is, I think it's wonderful. And I think again, for me, um, and I think I said this offline and not online, but like I will, I, you know, as far as indoor dining goes, I will go indoors. I will. I think I will, because I'm not, here's the deal. You guys, the patio situation, I know that they're going to stretch it, and I know you're all about bringing blankets. I hate being cold. I don't hate being cold. I love winter. I love cold in context. I don't want to sit and try to cut through a steak that is now cold because I'm cold and I'm shivering. I don't want that. I want to love I'm my dining experience. struggling with this whole thing. I, and I will, so for me, yet. I will take takeout as far as I go. If it's a place that I don't feel is like maybe doing all the right things for me and what I need. And I will then go inside and to the places that I think are doing it well, because I think there are a number of places that are doing it very safely and I'm okay with that. So I think it's going to evolve for me. Yeah, I do too. You know, because I have traveled, I've done I was going to say, you have taken risks that other people wouldn't take. Yes, And for so sure. it just, and that's why I also want to be really respectful. Some people are willing to take other risks and have yeah. different things in their life that they have to measure. And just, rem- I mean, I just don't think that it's going to be the same for everybody. I just, I, I look at my 87 year old mother-in-law who's got her mask on, who the other day, I went to Trader Joe's and then they didn't have this. So I went over to Kowalski's and then they didn't. So I went over to Widmer's and I went to the meat market and then I had, I'm like, how many places did you go today, lady? I know Mm -hmm. you're wearing a mask, but come on. Like, can we Mm -hmm. just consolidate our trips, please? I'm always on her. And she just kind of rolls her eyes at me. Everybody's got their own level of personal safety and it's up to everybody to execute it in whatever way they feel works for them right that's one thing i'm learning is maybe more tolerance yeah i well i mean and i i feel like um but i mean as far as dining goes there's i know that everybody wants us to do lists <laughs> this is the hardest thing i can't tell you you guys everyone's patio like list well patio Who has list, heaters listen that i can do and that's what we're working on that we're working on a list that has patio heaters for all of you guys who are definitely up for it but the thing is like people are like i need a list for where it's safe that's so different. It's so different on all counts. And what you feel safe is someone else. But then also what you were saying is that it's not always just the restaurant. Like the, the restaurant patrons. can do all the, the protocols. But there's a place that I know is trying really hard. I'm not going to name their name. And I walked in and there were groups of people who had descended upon the restaurant without masks. And they were... Or they were wearing them, but not really wearing them. And they were pulling them down. And you could tell the staff was feeling, you know, panicked. And they were trying to figure out what to do. But I walked in there and I was like, I'm not, I got to walk out. You know, like, that's not my bag. And it wasn't their fault, but they had to react to the people who were there. So if someone, if I said, this place is wonderfully safe and send you there and you walk into that, you're not going to, you're, that's not, you know, so it's hard. 
And I think that you just have to really be ready for, you know, finding your favorite places, looking at their socials, seeing what they're doing, talking to them, calling them and asking them what it's all about and how it feels. And then committing to either go and walk on, walking out, getting takeout and leaving or sitting in. And if you can tip big, please. I was talking to my husband who's got his normal tipping protocol. I was like, wait a second. You didn't leave enough of a tip. Like we should be tipping more because we're not eating out as much and we want these places to be around and we want these servers to be able to, to, to make it. So tip more please. And also remember that there are places that don't want tipping. There's a lot of places that don't want tipping right now because they're trying to, they're putting the service charge on and stuff. And there's, so I'm saying tip in cash. If you have, if you feel like your one server was fantastic in a way, remember that you're, you know, paying them is like one way to do it for sure. For sure. But I'm saying that there's a lot of places that have instituted this service charge and they don't, they're trying to eradicate that idea that you're just tipping one person. And with the service charge, you're tipping the entire restaurant. We're running out of time here, but didn't they determine that was illegal when Starbucks did that or something, no, making uh-uh. people pull tips? A service charge. It's a service charge. It. That's why. The Got difference it. is, is if, if I give you a tip, it's yours to handle and that's it. And you get to choose as this one Got person it. versus if I give a service charge to the company or the restaurant, then they get to distribute it to everybody in the restaurant. Got it. Got that's it. the theory. I know it's not always practice, but the that's what we're working theory. towards. All right. So it. as we wrap up here. Uh, join us for Patrice's Facebook Live on Thursday. Um, do you have a moral of the story? Uh, yeah, just support restaurants. I don't know. Eat local. Buy things. Hang out with people in distanced ways and just do what you need to do to make your mental health work for sure. Um, but just more, I guess the my moral of the story is just it's going to be a tough October, kids. Let's just be kind to each other, right? Tolerance and patience. Yeah, I just think everybody is about to, like I said, our emotional capacities are brimming. So, wow. and also, well done for Harmony to be on national TV. I don't yeah. know if you saw her TikTok. She's up next with Ellie Kaplan and Shop Girl. Stay tuned.